Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. typically depicted in scary movies. And this week we have a special guest, writer, podcaster, educator, horror doula, as I realized from the Lovecraft Country a podcast out of HBO, Ashley C. Ford. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. And congratulations on uh, last week you uh, shared the cover of your memoir, Somebody's Daughter, which you can pre-order ahead of its June 1st, 2021 launch. Ashley, how you doing? I'm fantastic. What an intro. Oh my gosh. I'm going to receive that. We really just want to roll out the red carpet here on screen. First of all, I'm going to receive that. (laughs) Second of all, I'm really happy to be here. I don't think anybody who is familiar with my work or has been for a while um, really understands how much I love horror. And that getting to work on Lovecraft Country and being able to be part of these conversations now is a, is the continuation of a dream come true. Like a dream come true. This is this is my oh, sweet yeah. spot. I mean, I didn't know, and I know you. I didn't know right? that you were into horror like that. So wait, can, can you give us like your horror origin story, your origin story, yeah. as they might say? <laughs> you know, I usually tell people that the way I got into horror was essentially the fact that um, I'm the product of child neglect. And (laughs) 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 A, there was, um, you know, not a lot of censorship of horror in my home unless it had to do with witchcraft. So whenever (laughs) I had to watch, (laughs) because my mom didn't want me to bring the devil into her house. So um, (laughs) craft or something like that, when they would start to chant, I would have to turn the volume all the way down so that my mom wouldn't hear it and come in and go, what the hell is that? Um, but even before that, when I was in kindergarten, I lived in Missouri with my grandmother and she and I went to the movies every Saturday, every single oh, wow. Saturday that we were there. And she was adamant that we would switch off picking the movies so as a five-year-old, she allowed me to essentially to look at the posters and decide what movie I wanted to see. It's and a lot of power. I, whatever I picked, we could see. And I didn't really know the difference between what a rated G movie was versus a rated R movie. I just knew if I mm-hmm. liked the poster or yeah. not. Or, and if it looked it got cool colors. <laughs> if it had cool colors. If it was a cartoon we were going to that one. <laughs> like, that's how we ended up seeing Aladdin. That's how we saw Beauty and the Beast. Like, was I that's was how like, we saw Cool World. <laughs> <laughs> no lie, that's how we saw Cool World. Um, I don't think it was in the theater, but certainly I was like, it's a cartoon. And the grownups around me were like, oh yeah, it's a cartoon. I don't know what she's doing. Um, but I watched the movie Fire in the Sky uh, with my grandma. Wow, that's a good one. And it flipped me out for, honestly, the rest of my life. Yeah, uh, yeah, rest of my life. Still scared of aliens uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but Or abduction, essentially. Pretty scared of abduction, which being from the Midwest, I think is fair. And mm. I, uh, I, I was terrified, but I also had this strange attraction to it, to darkness to scary things to creepy things i had loved from an early age the nightmare before christmas i thought that was the coolest movie in the world that was the first vhs i had yeah 
Yeah, I think that may have been true for us. <laughs> no, I think our first one was Home Alone, but it was up there. It was really close to being the first one. And I love that stuff. And I just, I, despite like, or even maybe in some cases because of my family's aversion to anything like that, where it was like, that's of the devil. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> let me look closer. <laughs> my mom just, the, um, just like last week, she bought me and my grown ass brother uh, matching shot glass sets of Nightmare Before Christmas. So yes! like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes! She knows that so well. <laughs> she gets it. She gets it. A friend of mine, um, we were on Zoom the other day and he was like, Ashley, Ashley, watch this or whatever. And I was like, what? And he tells his son to come over and like get into the Zoom. And I go, hey, buddy. And his son goes, nice work, bone daddy. You know, which is from like the Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was like, oh my God. Like when my friend's kids fall in love with like the Nightmare Before Christmas and when they fall in love with the Corpse Bride and Paranorman and, you know, anything that has to deal with like those, you know, especially child-friendly little like creepy stories and things like that. It, it just, my heart explodes because I was that kid mm. and I love it. I absolutely love it. I remember absolutely. showing some kids Coraline when I was a nanny and I got permission from all their parents to show it to them, but only one of them liked it. Like it was like this group of like all these little kids. Um, I think there were like six kids, right? And only one of them was like a little black girl. And she was like, yes. <laughs> like all the rest of the kids were like, I don't know, this is scary. And she was like, no, I want to be there. <laughs> that's mm. all that I matters that. you made that connection and I was like yes me. yeah you better indoctrinate the next <laughs> generation <laughs> that's my goal I think like it, it being a, 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 a product of childhood neglect is so real though I mean like you know how people talk about latchkey kids and I, I never understood what that meant because I just thought that was normal like right. isn't it just the, you just nobody's there and I just go over to my auntie Denise's place and they put in serpent in the rainbow and I'm like should I be watching this? <laughs> I used to go to my aunt's house and start by catching the happily ever after fairy tales on like Aww. the HBO. You know what I mean when they used to have yeah. like those diverse fairy tales and I would watch mm -hmm. one of those and then I would put in the VHS of Jerry Springer's greatest moments. Oh, God. <laughs> and I would watch that for the rest of the time. And that was like my after school hangout. It was either Jerry that Springer, sums it all up back then. Friday, or the movie Higher Learning. And I was in like third grade. <laughs> you know what happens what in higher, higher learning? Higher <laughs> gets learning. shot and killed. <laughs> Michael Rappaport is a white supremacist. What? Yes. Michael Rappaport is a white supremacist. Like, so much <laughs> is happening. And I was like, yeah, I feel that shit. I was also, like, when, you, when you see it that young, you just know every nook and cranny of the yes. film. And I didn't realize, yes. because like in... in when I was in, in our writer's room, uh, we were having an episode that were going to be patterned on Friday called Saturday. And so uh, research one night was to watch it. And I was like, wow, I know this. I know every word. I know every gesture. And I was like, oh, fuck. I patterned my voice after Chris Tucker. Like, that's where this came from. Right? right? There is a part of me when I start telling jokes that I know that's not my voice, that's Dave Chappelle's. Why am I doing that? Why am I it's making Dave. my voice sound like this? That's not It's either a Dave Chappelle line or it's a line from Fifth Element that's coming yes! out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was with the diva. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, most, and you know, me and my brother, when we were growing up, we were huge movie nerds and it was beyond our peers um, in a way that sometimes I think my mom used to be like, what the hell is wrong with my kids? Because we would watch something and we would memorize it. We would. You had the time to get, back then. We had the time to, and it was mm -hmm. just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And my mom would be like, they don't even just memorize the funny parts <laughs> of the thing. They, they're memorizing everything. Why does he know, why does R.C. know that this sound is coming? Why does he make this sound? Like, it would just be like, you know, my brother's name is R.C. And it would be like, you know, like a sound in the background that would be like, meow, meow, meow. 
that nobody else would notice, but my brother would crack up and would rewind it over and over and over and we'd watch it. And it was just like, why are we like this? It's like childhood yeah. neglect. Yeah. And like, I don't know how it would like, I probably wouldn't like, it wouldn't play well today cause like racism and shit, but like in Wayne's world, when Wayne is learning Cantonese, like I did, did it phonetically. Like I could right. run it all back just cause I watched it so many times. I listened to it so many times. Listen, we could probably do this all day. Why don't we get into what we're going right. to talk about? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Cause now we're going to start talking about Selena and it's like, oh, it's like, why do I know Spanish when I sing beady beady bum bum? But no other time. All right, so this today, uh, this week, we're going to be talking about our main discussion is Antebellum, mm. and we're going to get a little bit into the latest Lovecraft Country episode, I Am, and mm. we're going to close out this week with our Scream Queen, Taylor Russell, in Escape Room. We're not necessarily going to say that we really enjoyed this not-saw franchise knockoff, but <laughs> Black Final Girl, we got to talk about her on this show. <laughs> so here we go. Antebellum is written and directed by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, and their feature film debut it stars Janelle Monet, Gabriel Sidibe, Kiersey Clemens, Jenna Malone, Marquis Richardson, amongst others, and is a horror thriller about a successful author and motivational speaker, Veronica Henley, or is her name Eden, who finds herself trapped, and this is the this is the Google copy, who finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality that forces her to confront the past, the present, and the future before it's too late. Now I was really excited Me too. because this trailer came out. It was saturated. It looked great. It looked like, I don't know what is going on here, what's happening, what this world is, but it's Janelle Monet. We get a little Gabby in there. I was like, I'm, and you know, it's a little bit curiosity. And I was like, this is going to be, and then like, then the pandemic hit and it got postponed. So I feel like mm-hmm. on top of the initial anticipation, I was like, <sighs> there was a little bit more built in there. And what I didn't realize, and I've been talking to, I live in, in Los Angeles now. I've been talking to some writer friends of mine and they were just like, yeah, we kind of knew like there was this unspoken there was like a there was rumblings in the community that antebellum was not great was not it yeah Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of information i got after the fact and she was like i talked with the producer on that and he was just like not me a friend of mine she was like i was talking with the producer he's like i just don't talk to me about that film and i was like damn (laughs) so what did you guys think they fucked up. <laughs> they I fucked think up. they fucked up. They yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to hang in there for 30, when they messed up the editing. Like, first of all, I was, I was trying to be in there for the editing. Like, I'm like, okay, you're going to start at the plantation. Okay. But then they're <laughs> going to stay at the plantation. They're going to keep this here. You're going to watch all this torture, all these black bodies getting hurt. And then we're going to jump back in and say, this bitch just woke up out of a dream. Okay. Oh. Okay. And... <laughs> And yeah, it was just, I was like, okay, well, maybe you're going to tie it in together. And I was kind of there for discovering where they were and how that was set. But they didn't take it anywhere beyond that. It just, they didn't even delve into how that all came to be. Like, why wouldn't I want to know more about that? Right. (laughs) Tell me how this formed. Don't show me the horror if you're not going to give me the keys to prevent the shit. That's like what horror is supposed to do. It's supposed to show you a weird way out. It's supposed to show you that hope, like, in the end, gives you, like, this opportunity to see where you fucked up and not do it in the future. Like, that's kind of the point. Absolutely. And there was no hope. I didn't feel hope in this movie. I was hopeless. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. This movie, I see how this movie got made. I don't necessarily see uh, how some of the people who are involved in it were involved in it. Yeah. Because I kind of am like, did you read this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or did it look different when you read it? Like, I I wonder what form it was in when people signed on versus the form when it showed up. Yeah. Because I suspect it might be different. I suspect. I'm certain they made a few big changes in it that fully affected it. I know they had to do a bunch of reshoots and stuff. Did they? And that's like not really a good sign. I'm like, Janelle, 
what about this? I wonder what she read, you know, like that's I'm gonna be honest. I wonder what she read. I wonder what form she read it in. I wonder how this was explained to her. But even with she with left social whatever media. She, oh, shit. Ooh. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. I just saw her. Uh, okay, damn. Maybe, they I were mean, coming for her. maybe not. I, mean, they, I, checked. I know people were coming for her. I know the people were coming for her. The other day I was looking and she was gone off Twitter. She was gone off Instagram. Maybe she's back. Like, I, I think know. I saw her back like the other day. I think I did. And she was like wearing a bumblebee like pants or something. Oh, like, yeah, stunting. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay. But, um, you know, I noticed, you know, the writing was really stiff, but I wasn't sure if it was her acting or the writing, you know, at right. times. And it, but it was, it was the writing. And I was just, and I didn't want to blame her so much for it, you know, because I've seen her, she did a show on Amazon. Uh, Homecoming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't finish it. I only got past the first episode, which I liked, but I was, there was moments in it that I really liked, but there was also moments I felt like I felt her acting. You know what yes. I'm saying? And yeah. I was just like, mm, I'm not in this moment with you. I feel like I'm right. feeling you read these lines. Um, right. So I kind of felt that in this movie. I was like, maybe this is too, I'm not saying she, she's a dynamic person clearly, but I don't know something about this character. It was, it's not too big of a tax, task for her. It just wasn't written properly. Well, you know, it just, and, it was unconvincing. She like, mm -hmm. there was something about that character that I'm like at different points in this movie, it doesn't make sense to me that these are the same people. Mm -hmm. And also like, it doesn't, uh, it's hard for me to understand. Like, I know that like maybe what a person needs to, to like escape or whatever is really just to get lucky more than anything else. But why is she the only one who gets out? Yeah, like why does Kiersey have to go through what Kiersey Clemens goes through? Yeah. She's just really there to feel like pain. That. She's just there to like feel that. pain. I didn't understand what that was all about. But also, okay, so uh -uh. like, I, okay, so first of all, from a writing perspective, we're here yeah. for 40 minutes before we get into what was essentially the flashback, but into Veronica's story, which is like what we right. saw in the trailer writ large, right? Right. And so I was just like trying to make sense of that. But like nobody is saying, it, it, oftentimes I think there's a fine line between what you withhold in writing, like what you conceal yes. and what you show. And yes. that can mean the difference between ambiguity which is fine or confusion, which is not. And, or that like, why, okay, so they can't talk that much, right? I get it, but like, okay. Nobody is saying like, why are we in this weird place? Like, I don't get why, right. you know, <laughs> like uh, when the, when, when Kiersey and them club, there's no, like they say, oh, you're from Virginia, like da da da. But nobody is like, did they get you in the SUV? Or like, I didn't, right. none Nobody's of that. Nobody's comparing notes. <laughs> Nobody's comparing notes. It don't that that's not accurate. That is just not accurate because we would have been huddled up. That we would have been at a plant. They, that just wouldn't have happened like that. The way also, they had us all in front of the big house on the plantation. I'm just like, there's no way. And also, uh -uh. none of those people, for some reason, none of the white folks ever use the N word. And I'm not saying that like I want to hear the N word. But am I tripping? Like, did anybody ever say it? I don't feel like I ever heard anybody. I don't think I heard it. I mean, I, I felt it. I felt right? it. <laughs> you feel it, but it's weird that nobody ever says it. Given that is, that's a weird given oversight. the wild amount of physical violence, nobody ever says just the n word. I, and I, that had to have been a, a conscious decision. Like they, somebody went in there and like, oh, take this one out, take this out, and put an extra beating in there. Where we every time we take an N word out, you just knock another, knock a nigga out and take an N word out. That's <laughs> I, that, it's almost like the vitriol that like would have been expressed verbally. They were like, well, if we can't do that, then we've got to make this beat down extra bad. Mm-hmm. What we, they did to Homeboy and his wife, they they shot her and they burned her. And then he ends up all oh, he, he gets an axe in the chest at the end or, or a pitch, whatever that shit is. Like why? Why did that why? happen? And I why did that happen in slow motion? Like it was just there was like this it was like a it, uh, 
it was a mess. But this is what, okay, so I want to talk about what you just said, Ashley, and then this, I'm going to read you this, Gerard, what he told uh, Variety. I think we're in this place where art is being policed in such a way that the potency of the medicine that needs to be delivered is being greatly diluted. Good art, our art, is meant to activate and trigger. Okay. No. First of all, (laughs) the purpose of art is never simply to activate and trigger. What you are saying there is that the point of art is for me to have a certain amount of power, control, or influence over your emotional experience without having any responsibility to that emotional experience and my place in creating it. And Mm -hmm. that's the problem with the world, period, is way Mm -hmm. too many people want power without its twin responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that, like, responsibility is somehow... The way that he's perceiving responsibility for what you make is the dilution of its potency? That doesn't track. I'm sorry. That That doesn't doesn't track at all. Intention, first of all, intention only makes things stronger. So what Mm. was your intention here? If people are having a strong emotional reaction, that's probably because your intention was off. Not because they're reading it wrong or it's so powerful or so in-depth that they just can't handle the emotional experience of having, you know, come in contact with your art. Get the fuck out of here. It's such a that dude thing to say. Like, it is fair. very much a dude thing to say. I thought, okay, so like we started with this Faulkner quote that's like, the past is not past, whatever. And I'm just like, this is already corny. Like <laughs> Already. And already. As soon as it opened up, I was like, this doesn't feel right. And I felt bad about that. I was like, damn it. Like, I already have a bad, in, 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 my, in, uh, my instincts about this are, my spotty senses are tingling. Yes. They're saying, bitch, turn this off. But I have to watch it, so. Oh, yeah. When you, <laughs> you guys know. said antebellum, I was like, fuck. Like, a little bit. Because <laughs> I was like, now I got to watch it for real. Because I was kind of going to try to avoid it, to be honest. Like, I was yeah. kind of going to try to be like, oh, I didn't see it. So that, like, I didn't have to talk about it. Uh, and I was like okay no let's just do it let's watch it and I did and it was not a great experience and you know it's for all the reasons that people much smarter than me have already said which is essentially that like it felt lazy you know and that is not to say that every person involved didn't give their absolute best like I don't think that's what happened here but I do think the story that they ultimately came up with um, out of whatever they had was not a well-told story. The concept is interesting. Like, let's Mm -hmm. be fair. Sure, the concept is interesting. You just didn't execute it and and translate it. Like, that's not the fault of the consumer. Like, to be perfectly honest, that's not the fault of your audience. Like, Sometimes we're going to miss the mark and not being able to accept that is how we keep making the same mistakes over and over. You I'm not know. trying to see Antebellum too, personally. They better not. They no. better not do that. <laughs> there's, 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 they better not. <laughs> there, like, the thing is there were like gestures, right? But they didn't have meaning. There, and I think I think a lot about the when Veronica is doing her talking heads and like her TED talk or whatever, yes. and 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 the platitudes that she's expressing that like are meant to be smart, thought provoking, and deep. Yeah. But it's just like I know so many of those people who yep. have those thoughts, who give those speeches, who say those things, you know. And it's like yes. you are not. This is bad. Like, this is just badly done. And there's supposed to be um, momentum and there's supposed to be a fervor and there's supposed to be like a call to action or there's supposed to be some kind of like, you know, swelling emotional resonance. And it's just like, this is, this is empty. Yeah. yeah. I just wasn't buying into her black woman strength. It felt very forced. It felt like somebody who had the idea of what a strong black woman was. Hmm? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It sounded like uh, an avatar. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, okay, like, I know what your intentions are here, but how come I'm not feeling it? How how come I'm feeling like I could do that speech better than you right now? (laughs) You know, in games, when you bump up against those side characters, and they're like, hey, watch it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or you got to, like, press A or B, and they'll, like, tell you a story or whatever. 
it kind of sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You, like you've come across a protest and if you press on her, she'll like <laughs> do a grand speech. Don't <laughs> I have some words to say. It reminds yes. me of like sometimes when you're doing an initial draft and you just have something bracketed, like big emotional speech. Yeah. And you're like, I'll get back to it later. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. That's the next draft. And it's just yeah. like, nobody came back to it in the draft. Like, nobody did. They were Gabby like, came prepared. They were like, you know what? Wing it. Wing it. <laughs> I will say, only person that came to, came through was Gabby Sidibay. Like, I was, feel, I was feeling her. Hotivities is my new favorite her. word. Hotivities. Hotivities. Come on now. <laughs> she had a whole lot of moments. She was just snatching. I, I'm... I don't think she wants to talk to you right now. Like just snatching yeah. her friend away from people. Like, oh, we're not interested at the moment. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling these moments. Yeah. This is real. Those like, are the realest moments in that whole movie. That's like, the only you, thing I can relate to. You have to understand, we're champagne ladies, and this vodka <laughs> cran is not doing it. <laughs> her moment in the restaurant where homeboy uh, tries to get her number or whatever, and she's yes. like, first of all, you but yeah, oh yes, you know that whole scene. And yeah, but, but as she proceeds to read him and then give him her number out of her teeth. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, the nerve. And, that's and like, I am so proud. And, and that's the best part. Yeah. That yeah. shouldn't be the best part of the horror film. It should not be. <laughs> what the fuck? That be the best part I wanted of to see film. where their car went where, when they split two ways in the right. SUVs. I was like, where are they going? Because that's right. way more interesting than whatever happened to her. Yeah. So. And it's like when you have a, a largely milk toast event of a movie and then you have something great in it, it makes the rest of it even worse. That is mm-hmm. so true. <laughs> it's like the Fifty Shades of Grey movies because Dakota Johnson is actually doing a really great job. And my God, is she working with poor material and to be honest, an even poorer partner in acting. I didn't realize that she was a decent actress until I saw Suspiria. I was like, holy right? shit, this girl can act. She can act. Uh, she can do it. I saw it then, but she was working under dire circumstances. Yeah, and that, is, that is similar to what Gabourey has going on here. It's like, girl, yes. you brought your best and nobody can take that from you. Never. It is not your fault that. this house is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do we have any parting thoughts on antebellum? No antebellum too, please. <laughs> Antidonum. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I was going to say, don't you know, no, Anta, don't you know, no. That's my show. Oh. <laughs> remember, remember when? Remember when? Um, remember when Martin called Cole Thicky Ricardo? <laughs> <laughs> you all, you love that fucking line. Yeah, That's yeah. so funny. Oh, my God. oh man! <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, Cole, 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 Cole. Uh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. You, you, your, your final thoughts? I don't have any final thoughts. <laughs> uh, do you want to lead us into a little yes. Lovecraft Country? So this episode, Hippolyta finally gets her moment. Yes, um, and, and I am. Yes. And Lord, is this a beautiful episode. There's so much oh, going on. I'm going to cry. Let me mm. not yes. cry. I um, just want to... Ingenue Ellis? Yes. Yeah. Ingenue how are you feeling about it? How, what, did, what did this episode do for you? <laughs> okay, well, here's what you got to understand about the place I was in when I saw this episode, okay? First of all, I had just come back from a week of intensive trauma therapy in Tennessee uh, when I watched this episode. <laughs> oh, <Damn>. shit. <laughs> so deeply working on my shit. Uh and coming into like, you know, myself as like a person who likes herself. And also my co-host on Lovecraft, on Lovecraft Country Radio was the co-writer for this episode. So this episode was so emotional for me uh, from the start and then watching it was just, oh my goodness, like I was, I believe in the podcast, I say that at the end of this episode, I felt like I was floating, like I felt weightless. And I did. This, like the thing I loved about this episode and the character Hippolyta, 
um, is something that I think uh, a lot of Black women have dealt with, especially Black women who, um, who have exceeded the expectations that people around them had for them. Mm -hmm. You are always from a very young age, especially when you exceed those expectations from a young age, um, you are dealing with the fact that you know necessarily where your mind or your brain or like the you who you are inside, you feel how big that is. You feel all of that desire and all of that want and you're so connected to um, the thing inside of you that points you in the next direction that you should go because that's the direction you want to go in and you're connected to that want. Um, and this society, this country, um, in some cases our communities, our families, uh, can be really quick to try to beat that out of you, yep. uh, literally or figuratively. <laughs> mm. Um, and so there's this idea I think that we have, or that we start to accept at some point in our lives that we permanently lost um, our ability to go there, mm -hmm. that when it was either taken from us or when we hid it from ourselves, that they did such a good job or we did such a good job that there's no more accessing that point. But as you get older, if you are lucky enough to get the opportunity, you start to unlearn some of those lessons and you mm -hmm. start to feel yourself expand. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. terrifying and it's beautiful and it's worth every fucking second. And you mm -hmm. want more, but you don't know how much more you want and you're scared of how much you could possibly want and how big you could possibly get and how far you could go. It's terrifying. And in this week of intense trauma therapy, <laughs> I sort of had to look at and confront the child version of me who still believed that that was a possibility. Mm. And I had to tell that version of me, essentially like me, Ashley, an adult, I'm gonna help you have that because the adults around you should have helped you and they yeah. didn't. And that's okay, we can't go back there. We can't fix any of that. But right now mm -hmm. we can do something and we mm -hmm. can move toward that. Mm -hmm. So many of us don't know that that's possible, that that reclamation of self and of that fire is possible. That spark's not gone as long as you're alive. If you're alive, it's in there. Mm -hmm. If you're alive, you have a shot. It's like giving, it's like going back and giving and with all of this, whatever golden stuff that you have accumulated and grown and nurtured and, 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 um, and, and kind of going back to that little kid and giving them a hug, giving them a yes. hug, right? And be like, if yes. this is going to work out, it is, I promise. It's going to be yes. really hard. I was just talking in the class that I just did with Angel Nafis and her kid mm -hmm. and her, and her, her students, um, like they had brought up this interview that I'd done uh, for a New York Review of Books where it was like, I was talking about how like in order to write those books, I had to undo a very elaborate system of self-censorship. Yes. And that I'd accumulated. And I felt so much for this with Hippolyta, like literally like just like physically bowing my shoulders and making myself yes. smaller and, and like, yes. uh, and, and, and doing everything I could to get out of the way of society or in order to, to avoid it or to, because it, I associated it with so much pain. Like I had to like, it started off like, like just going to a racist homophobic high school, but before that, and also just like being part of literally a tribal society where everyone is monitoring everybody else and yes. you can't get too big because yes. people will like well, notice you and hit, like, and you know, and, and be you down or whatever. And, yeah. and having to take those like 15 years off the reservation to just, and not that like the reservation itself did this to me, but it's also a deeply homophobic and racist society. Uh, right. And you kind of start to realize that like you have been doing white supremacy's work for it. And that's what Hippolyta says, yes. right? She said, I put the noose around my own neck. Yes. We all realize like all of us creative people um, that we have something special in us. And at some point we've all had to deal with that uh, recognizing as, as you did, Ashley, that you beat some of that down yourself, that you, you, mm -hmm. you blocked your own shine, your light. And 
you know, I don't know how they were able to do that in an episode, you know, a, a nod to your friend to encapsulate what a black woman goes through, but what a black mother goes through. Yes. And I immediately, as, as, when I finished the episode, I called my mom. I'm like, you have to watch this episode. It's, it's speaking to you. It's speaking to me. And I think we need to, it's just a necessary watch. This but, is um, really interesting that you said that because a lot of people have told us that they watched this episode and called their mothers oh, wow. and told them to watch the episode. Wow. Yeah. It's that, though, that profound. It is so And familiar. I, that just like, you know, and my co host, Shannon, is a mother. She's a mother of three, what she says is three, you can only write three, like three that children. Three free <laughs> black children. And she, and a turtle named John Avelli. Um, <laughs> and she, you know, just, what she did in this episode astounds me. Hippolyta's journey through pleasure and anger and power and resentment and fear and courage, like through the cosmos is just, it is the most adventure I've ever seen a black woman have. Ever. I, ever. I was in tears because I had never seen something like that. I've never seen And it, and it seen made me sad. Like it made me sad and it, but it was, but I was just so happy to finally see it and see right. it done well. But I was just right. like, okay. That, that was a lot of what I was feeling was, how is this the first time? Yes. You know? Yes. When do we get to go to space? You know, mm. one of my favorite, I've all, my grandma always loved space movies. I've always loved space movies. Those two things we love, space movies and Westerns. If there was a space movie or a Western available when we went to the movie theater, we were definitely agreeing on the movie we wanted to see. And that continued um, throughout her life until she passed. Uh, but it always, whenever I think of space movies, the person I think of immediately is like Tom Hanks, who yeah. as great as he is, let's be honest, is like the white guy. The white, the whitest guy. He's we the, love him. We love the, him. Yeah. But he's the white I mean, guy. Yeah. And it's like, and that's who I think of because Apollo 13 came out um, when I was a young person and it was everywhere. Apollo 13, Apollo 13, like everywhere. Um, or female characters, or Sigourney female Weaver characters, and Alien. Sigourney you know? Weaver and Alien. I also, as a very young person, this is before I was five, told my preschool teacher that my favorite movie was Barbarella. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, my mom would not let me watch that one i do remember that and then it would come on like tbs but her movies would be blurred out so i'm like can i watch this she's like it's a little bit much but then i would go and watch tales from the crypt with my brothers like within yeah. the same day so i'm just like you need to make up your mind make up your mind <laughs> oh, I love inconsistencies in this. <laughs> so many inconsistencies but yeah barbarella <laughs> Yeah, I love that shit, but I never really saw black women in They didn't space want us up there. Unless, they don't like, want us to think like that. You know, we had Star Trek. We had Uhuru. Yes, yes. We also had um, um, when Whoopi Goldberg was in uh, oh, Star Deep Trek. Guinan. Yeah. Or, or, ne or the next, the boy. Okay, next Generation. I can't remember. We're going to get cussed was out it? on the comments. It wasn't Next Generation. I feel it was. Like it I was. think it was Next Generation. Was I think it, it was. It, yeah, it, it was. wasn't Deep Space Nine. Yeah, because that was, was her and Picard. Picard. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. she yeah. was friends with Picard. That makes sense. Um, yeah, like, but like, not as adventurers. Not mm -hmm. as adventurers, as bartenders <laughs> mm -hmm. with a lot of wisdom, as maybe like navigators from inside the ship. But the yeah. person who goes out and like explores and travels through time, through time, us? I mean, has, has the knowledge and the brain to do it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, they show her strength when she gets mad at Lenny and, and Tick. When they do, yes. can we borrow the car? She's like, no, I got shit to do, too. I have <laughs> yeah. places to be, too. <laughs> yeah. 
and you know, and then you and then it turns out Tick goes. He ends up where she's at anyway. Very right. quickly, I might add. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he just kind of drops in there. There's a whole lot that happened there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, and ultimately, she, you know, she comes back for her daughter, which of mm-hmm. course I was like, that's of course she's coming back for her baby, but um, she that's got just- to see. Huh? At the end, she comes back. Yeah. Well, she we don't actually see her come back through the portal because it closes. Yes, you do. No, she comes back through the portal. And I her, didn't and, see. her and Tick meet at the end. They she meet didn't. At... Oh, you're right. No, the portal where closed. Is, where did she get She spit decided out? to come back. She decided she? to come back. Well, she was like, I'll do this for my daughter. But then put, Tick came out the portal. She said, D needs me. Yes. But Tick yeah, is the only but we one don't who see where she goes. Okay. Tick was the only one who came through the portal. And that's what I was wondering. I was like, where the hell did Tick go in that whole time? Because we don't we don't even know where his ass went. Where did Tick go during all yeah. that time, guys? He came, he came back with the Lovecraft Country book. Didn't he? Yeah. yeah. That book might be important. I, the book of names. Or the, all, just the, the writing was so... <laughs> <laughs> the writing was so good. And I kept thinking about... Because, you know, poetry is my first love. It's the thing that I came up in. It's the thing that I will continue to do no matter what. But when... Uh, Josephine Baker is talking about being a star. And she has that whole scene. And she's just like, you know, when she talks about getting up there and being that star, and she's just like, magnificent, ancient, and already extinguished. And I was like, Shan, you better write that. (laughs) All of that was perfect, though. It was so good. She said, where do I want to be? I want to be on stage dancing with Josephine Baker. Like, what the fuck? And it was was so beautiful. And Homegirl that played Josephine, I was just like, they're doing a Uh, good job. This is done very well. Do you you guys know the name of the the godlike character who she meets? uh, No. I know because of listening to the show. But yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's Beyonce. Beyonce? Beyonce. Yes. Beyond, Beyond say, with say. the afro of my dreams. Yes. The afro of my dreams. That is, oh my God. Right? My hair's never looked that good a day in my life. I don't care who's cutting it. I don't care how big it was. Not a day in my life has it approached oh. the magnificence of the Beyond. The pinnacles of afro. Oh no. my goodness. No. No. One yes. of the and other things. The, the black woman on the motorcycle. That was a beautiful oh, woman. That Bessie was Stringfield. so pretty. Um, oh, I love, love that. That was yes. very pretty. Yes. Yeah. That just that pretty. little Joel Lame and like, just, I was like, okay, so if this is a foreshadowing. There, There is some danger to come, but I think this is a sign that you got all you need. You got that in you to, to get through whatever you need to get through. You know, a lot of this episode is about Black women being guided by Black women. Um, the point of Bessie, I think, and I think Shannon um, says this at a certain point, I'm not sure if it made it into the episode, Um, but the point really of Hippolyta seeing Bessie on the road is the fact that though this is the first time maybe we're seeing somebody like Hippolyta do this, Hippolyta's not alone. Mm. Mm -hmm. She's not alone. She's not. And she is not the first to do this at every point she is being safely guided by those who have gone before her. Yeah, she, she is, she's uh, a, it's a divine path set before her, uh, you know, and she is, she is walking those steps. And yeah, I just, I believe in her character too much to, you just know, like, they can't allow anything to happen to this person because she's just too integral, in, integral to the story. I did notice that they killed George in the show and not in the book, though. I, I was wondering mm. why they, they did that. It was kind of interesting. But they could bring him back because this shit's magical. So they could still you bring You never know what's going to happen in Lovecraft Country. I, you really never do. You don't. Uh, you really never do. Also, I, Christina Braithwaite is Caleb Braithwaite in the book. And there's like there's a whole lot of uh, gender swapping going on, which I'm very much into. Oh, like, yeah. I like that they gave Ruby that, that partner instead of her having to deal with uh, it's William and K- it would it would have been William and Kale, but now it's William and Christina, and now they have yeah. Christina and Ruby hooking up. Are they? Are, are we? Are we getting that. some? Are we getting some Christina Ruby action? I mean, you kind of did already. Basically, I mean, it's stuck. It's technically, it kind of. Got to keep watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are they related to Tick? Is Tick and Letty related? Because Christina says something about your family. She says yeah. that to Ruby. 
she's just pregnant with this baby that they're not related. That would be, I'm like, they don't got to put yeah. incest on top of everything in this show. No, <laughs> no, they're not. He right. kept saying that to me. I'm like, there is no damn, there better not be no damn incest up in the show. I don't need that too. I will say that just, despite the, um, all the special effects and the going in between worlds and, and, and the, the reimaginings and the, the uh, Josephine Baker of it all and the Dohomi Amazons and all that kind of stuff. The biggest leap uh, for me was Montrose thinking that he could sneak Sammy in and out of that house without anybody seeing? Because there's like eight or ten people that live in that place. And I was like, I think Montrose kind of wanted to get caught because there's no way you could sneak Sammy in and out of there. Like, You know, maybe Montrose did kind of want to get caught. Montrose is a person who is not good at asking for or allowing himself what he wants. Um, In my view... Uh, I think that that's what happens to a person who denies their humanity. The easier it is for you to deny your own humanity, the easier it is for you to deny another person's humanity. Um, And he is very much a person who believes the only good thing about his life um, is his son, and even his son doesn't like him. And for good reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he did probably want to get caught, but I think that he wouldn't have known any other way. Yeah, because he doesn't doesn't deal with things through conversation. It's only through confrontation. You know, and so he had to, I feel like, get found out. I will say that in this episode, one of the things that I really liked was that, you know, in, in these ensembles, like sometimes we get into like circuits of characters kind of only hanging out with each other. So I like that we got a moment with like Ruby and Hippolyta, you know, where they got to like be friends or even like Tick and Hippolyta, you know, cause it's like, we really only saw Hippolyta interact with her husband and her daughter before, you know? And now she just, I mean, she's smoking. She's like with Josephine and then, then Josephine's making out with Frida Kahlo and like, you know, it just, <laughs> So I like that we get to explore some of these other characters' relationships with each other. And, and then a little bit of Ruby and, and Letty kind of talking to each other again. And I liked when, um, when, when Letty was like, well, take, I was going to go with him to like do this family thing. And she's like, why did you say it? She said, I had family business here. You know, and it's like, I think she's, and, and also when she talked to it, like, I never thought that like in, um, in, like in talking about my mother, whatever, that I'd become her. Or that, like, you know, I wasn't, like, a hustler, but I played you. And it just, this dialogue is so fucking good. Like, just, can you tell, Shan, when you get back there that, like, that is, because I've been in a room, and I so I know what the outlines look like, and so I know that, like, the room breaks the story, but the writer has to get in there and innervate the whole thing and make it into a thing that works. It's not going to work if the words coming out of those people's mouths don't, isn't good, you know? And it's just, like, man, she's such a good writer. Yes. Watching the episode made me feel um, more proud than I have any right to be because I definitely didn't know her when she was writing it. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? And really, I've only known her since this summer now. So I can't take any credit for anything, but I feel so proud of her because I just, like, I get to talk to her in a way that I get to see these ideas form. I get to see how she researches and how she thinks and how brilliant she is. Like I get that up close and the way people have responded to this episode. I'm like, yes, like I want y'all to really understand who I'm talking to on this podcast. Like I really, yes, yes, yes. Because I think she's brilliant. You know, she's a ton of fun. I'm really, I'm really going to miss recording with her. Season two. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Hey, hey, make it happen, HBO. <sighs> Do we have any other final thoughts on I Am? Yeah, I mean, other than it just impressed the hell out of me. Um, I I really love that last scene with her and George right. on that um, on whatever when she's Orinthia Blue. I just thought that mm. was so sweet. And then the Sun Ra, uh, that's a speech by him going on in the background. Yes. That that's really cool. I just thought that was so sweet. So damn sweet. You know, I love that Dee saw her mother this way before her mother Mm. knew that she could be this way. 
you know? I love that. And I love where this story has taken Hippolyta. And uh, I just am really grateful for her. I'm grateful for her character and for what she showed me in this episode. I mean, and she's a fighter, you know? Isn't like, she? I love the fact that they got to play with time in this way in order to make her the biggest version of herself. She got time to do that. And like what you said about her daughter seeing that, like, it doesn't matter how much like Hippolyta thinks and has shrunk herself and how much the world is, but your kid always thinks of you as being big, yes. you know, and they can sometimes see you in ways that you can't really, or you don't even really see I, yourself. I saw myself in their relationship when yeah. they went to the um, observatory and she told her daughter, I, I need, that's my constellation, but you know, that's my star. And she, her daughter made it a point to let everybody in that room know. And that's some shit I would do. And my mother would be like, shut the hell up girl. But I'd be like, nah, I had <laughs> yeah. to do what I had to do, you know, cause you know, cause we look out for our, yes. you know, the women that we love or the, you know, the people that raised us. I, you know, I have so much respect for my mother yeah. and I've been blessed to have someone that's really been by my side. So, and she's strong and dynamic and just to see somebody who's graceful and keeps it all together, but it is, has her flaws and, you know, she deserves to be able to, to explore her life and to rebel. She, she deserves that time because she's given up everything for, for so much. Yeah. So I, I really, I appreciate it. I don't want it to end. Like, I don't want this show to end. Like, it's been, it's given me, it's given us a lot to talk about. The thing is, like, we, you know, we started Screen Queen yeah. just wanting to talk about scary movies, right? Because, like, yeah. Dre and I, like, we met, like, over 10 years ago. And anytime we got together, immediately, it was just like, what was the last scary movie that you saw? And, like, it just, like, mm -hmm. when you turn a podcast, when you turn something into a podcast that comes out of just a natural tenor of your conversation, it makes it so the process is easy and um and, and you know we kind of been going back and forth between movies and stuff like that and this season has just become a uh, lovecraft country <laughs> rewatch or like a recap podcast as well as being about other things so um right. yeah this is a great episode well, highly recommended 100 percent. like let's just oh give hey, this another one. season hbo <laughs> let's see let's see all right all right, shall we move on to our Scream Queen this week? Let's get into it, Tommy. Yes. Pick? So I picked this person. Like, I I don't do escape rooms. Um, it's not really my okay. thing. I don't want to be put into it. I just, I, I have claustrophobia. And not, like, real, but, like, mental. And it's like, don't put me in a room and tell me That's I can't. That's real enough. Like, quarantine was hard <laughs> enough for me. Like, I don't want to do quarantine for fun. The fuck? No. Uh, but, you know, there was, like, a spate of these escape room movies. There was just, like, a bunch of people just, like, concept money, do it. And this was the better of them. Also, we get Taylor uh -huh. Russell as our screen queen as Zoe. She's a final girl in this movie. I like Taylor Russell. Yeah. She's very sweet. I like that she added a pop of color to um, Lost in Space, the reboot you know i didn't yes I, I waves i like what she did i like that at the end of that movie we got a real frank emotional open conversation between uh her and sterling k brown which is just like a black father and daughter having that type of conversation is just still so rare in cinema and television um i didn't actually see the final cut of the film i like did a little bit of the like the focus group stuff and i was like okay my question is like why did um uh, Trey Edward Schultz fix his white pen to write a story of a black family instead of like being an EP and having the black writer give that opportunity. But like, you know, that's neither here nor there. Although I did like It Comes at Night, which he wrote um, back in the, like, but I don't like what he did to Carmen Gojo in that movie. But anyway, Taylor Russell as Zoe Davis in Escape Room. Um, what I liked about Zoe in this movie was that they gave Taylor, the, they didn't just make her the sweet girl. You know, she was rebellious. Uh, she was, like, not going with the rest of the group. She was, like, here to break things. And I like that they gave... I like that they gave Taylor that extra texture to, like, to chew on, you know? Yeah, I mean, thank goodness they put her yeah. in this movie because the rest is, like, you know, it's garbaggio. Also, Jay Ellis is really nice to look at, but other than that, I just... I saw this movie in the theaters when it came out, and I was, um, I was underwhelmed really under <laughs> I think I fell asleep for 20 minutes um she was great I don't I didn't see waves I didn't watch lots in space with her but I like her <laughs> she's she's really fantastic I want to see more of her um she kind of reminds me of homegirl from Dr. Sleep um oh yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah. She has that vibe, and like, I really appreciate that let's have that vibe so yeah another final girl mm -hmm. um holy shit 
You know, I guess I didn't realize that was her in Lost in Space until just this moment. Oh my God. Yep, yep. Dope. Yeah. Um, and she was also great in this. I thought I really enjoyed her as the final girl. I thought she was a different kind of final girl. Definitely, I thought her temperament and like who she was throughout it. Like I was like, no, nah, man, she might go. Like they might take her ass, but they did. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard for me with sometimes with these kinds of movies because it's like you're a final girl, but is the game over? Are you a final girl? Mm -hmm. I saw that there's an escape room two coming out. So I mean that could be right? the other in part two. So we'll see. Yeah. And you know, if you a final girl in part one, all bets are off in part two. We know this ever since Scream, even though they still killed a lot of people yeah. in that one. And they, and they didn't kill Sydney. But that's when we learned the rules that in the second one, all, all bets, bets are, are off. Mm -hmm. Although with this new climate, you think they'd be smarter and not, if they're going to bring her back, they probably shouldn't kill her ass off because that would not do so well <laughs> if they're smart. That's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. Yeah. That's true. I was really excited though when she popped up and was ready to whoop ass and kill the game. You know, like she's like a problem solver. She like makes it through a bunch of the things. She's like, oh, actually this is like, like she's kind of the guiding, does a lot of the, a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to figuring out the puzzles, you know, and yes. this sort of kind of like, and then it takes this like purge twist kind of, where like all of these like people are watching and like, and there's like a Hunger Games vibe, but like it did end up in my, like I kind of thought of it, it was like, this just feels like a Saw script that yeah. Didn't end up becoming a part of the Saw franchise. Um, we did also get Debran Wall, who played uh, Jessica the Vampire in True Blood. Yes! Yes, the Perma Virgin. Yes. And <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> longest neck in America. She like, that yes. She's pretty. Yes. <laughs> and I love it. I'm going to be honest. I love a long mm. neck. And she's. You know, if you've got one, you got to work it. And I do think that she does. Yes, yeah, she it. does. She got more chokers, whatever, whatever her name is. More chokers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Taylor Russell, our final girl in Escape Room. You know, you made it to the sequel, crossing our fingers that you make it through the trilogy. Because... <laughs> It's not looking good, girl. Oh, Lord. It doesn't look good for you at all. But we're going to hope. We're for you. All right, queens. Don't forget that we got a Google voice number, and we want to hear from you. What's the scaredest? Actually, can you answer this question for us as well, uh, Ashley, since we got yeah. you? What is the scaredest you've ever been in the theater? It doesn't necessarily have to be in a scary movie, but what's the scaredest you were ever in the theater? Yeah, just a fucked up situation in a theater doesn't like you said doesn't have to be scary when i when me and my husband went to go see it in the theater um at some point a red balloon Ooh. just started floating <laughs> in the front in front of the screen <laughs> So that was a pretty, like, that was definitely a moment where I was like, nope. Tommy would have run out of the damn theater. No, that's not what right? I'm here to do. <laughs> that's not what I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm not part of the movie. No, no. Where's, where's Pennywise at? Ooh, is he here at the theater? <laughs> you know what I, no, I'm gone. So that's probably, that's, either that's it, or it was seeing The Grudge with my friends in high school. Um, the original Grudge with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, that first Horror film, like I, like now I'm like, I haven't gone back and watched in a while. So maybe it's not as scary as I remember it, but I like was curled up in my, in my seat. Like I was definitely like, oh my God, like watching it, but super terrified. Did you see the reboot? No. No, I didn't see the reboot. Don't. Yeah, I heard the it's reboot was, was ter terrible. No, it was terrible. I, I, I remember no, liking the, the Korean version a lot. And I never, and I saw the, yeah. The Sarah Michelle Gellar one wasn't, it wasn't bad actually. I, I do recall that. It wasn't, yeah. it's, but to me, it wasn't as scary as the Korean one. But once you see the, another version, it's hard to compare the two. Like right. I thought the ring was scarier than Ringu because right. I saw one before yeah. the other. But, and I, I think it was honestly. That but um, Is that the one yeah. when you were in the theater and there was one person way in the back? Way up in the top. You, <laughs> you were just looking at each other the whole time. <laughs> 
for, oh my uh, god uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like one thing like you look back and he's like a seat closer <laughs> and then like a row closer and then a row closer <laughs> okay okay let me just share i'll happened. show you that story I t- have i told you my that story of a guy who pulled that on me in the theater i used to work in a no. theater in san diego the ken ken theater whatever i'll throw y'all under the bus um Part of the landmark. <laughs> Landmark's out of business or so whatever. I can't even get no money for it. Um, this fool was sitting in the front. I was taking a nap in the back because it was just a really, it was a, there was hardly anybody ever at our screenings. We could take naps during the day if we wanted. This fool gets up, right. walks out, and I see him. And he walks back in, and I'm half asleep. I wake up, and he's like, five, there's somebody five rows ahead of me that wasn't five rows ahead of me. I go back to sleep. I wake up. Somebody two rows ahead of me that wasn't two rows ahead of me. I go out to sleep and wake up. There's somebody directly in front of me and my feet are up on the seat. And and I'm like, how crazy would it be if I took my feet down and his hand was right there touching the bottom of my foot? And I took and I just quickly snatched my feet down and his hand was right there doing this to the bottom of my foot. And he didn't realize I had moved my foot. And then he looks and he's like, oh, and then he gets up and he walks out. And then uh, he, no, he gets up and he walks to the front of the theater. And then he walks out of the theater with his girlfriend and his hand around her arm as I'm behind the concession stand. And none of the managers, nobody did anything. I told him, like, I'm going to walk in there and call this dude out. And they're like, oh, we'll handle it. And then he walks out with that. So anyway, that wasn't the scaredest. It was just the most fucked up. <laughs> no, that's very <laughs> fucked up. That is very fucked up. But also, like, he he was five rows of rate and then two. And then you went back. I kept going back to sleep. I was like, because it didn't. I was like, there's no way. I kept telling myself, nah, nah, nah. Nah, I would have sat the fuck up, like. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, hey, hindsight, little eight, uh, 19 year old me. I'm just like, I mean, I was feisty back then too. I wish I would have kicked him. I should have fucking kicked him. Damn. There's just hi- hindsight, me. hindsight. But anyway, I thought I thought that my, my managers were going to do something and they were just good for nothing. But so, but anyway, that was a trip. Uh, well, BBGB. regale us, dear listeners and viewers, with your stories. Our Google Voice number is 619-289-9052. That is 619-289-9052. We want to hear from you. <laughs> and so catch us next week. Same time, same place. We're getting into Spree, a flick that not only gave us something worth discussing, but we got another Black Final Girl, Miss Sashir Zameda. And of course, we're, we're going to be giving you our thoughts on the next episode of Lovecraft Country. And sadly, we're coming down to the last few, and that's fucking horrible. So, yeah. True. It is horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, thank you for feeling our pain. It's you not know, your fault. You know, you know, though. She knows what we feel, and I just appreciate her. I know. I do. <laughs> so, Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound. With theme music by Doc Allison. I am Drea. What the hell was that debate last night, Washington? Uh, you can find me on the gram at Hey Girl Hey. That's H E Y G R L H E Y. Ashley, why don't you give us your uh, social media? My social media is Twitter, I Smash Fizzle. And on Instagram, it's Smash Fizzle. Just my website is ashleycford.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I stopped the doom scrolling, but who knows? I might go back there one day, but just not today. Today's not, no, today's not the day. (laughs) You're free. Be free. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram at Scream Queen Podcast. And online at ScreamQueenPodcast.com. Please send us some love notes. ScreamQueen at gmail.com. That's S-C-R-E-E-E-M Queen at gmail.com. And in the scary movie of your life. You better. Scream! Scream! Queen!
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 